This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show here on and whatever podcasting platform you're listening or YouTube. And I am in such a habit of saying AM950KOEL and KOEL.com for our Saturday shows that I almost do it every time for, for these Wednesday or, or Tuesday midweek episodes of Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show, hosted by me, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started... Make sure that you leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You subscribe, follow, wherever you're listening. Make sure you are able to listen to every show that we post. It does help us out a lot if you do either one of those things or both. And if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe, like, drop a comment. Tell me if you think I'm an idiot for anything that I say today. Or if you agree or or you want to give a shout out to any particular player that we talk about or or what have you. But today it's going to be another... You and I focused midweek episode again uh, as a you and I insider for Town Square Media, Elliot Clough. This is this is my beat, you know. And uh, Wednesday we try to make those a, a big emphasis, unless you know we're able to get David or, or Sean Bach or or Nick Osen on and, and talk a little bit more about Iowa and Iowa State. But this has been too big of a week for you and I to just move past it. And, and move on to some of those bigger FBS programs or or major programs, Power 5, Power 6 programs in basketball. And, uh, well, I think we, we have to talk about it, even though with the, the pain that it comes with for the UNI fan base, what, with what happened on, on Saturday in the, or excuse me, in the Dome um, against South Dakota State. Number one, South Dakota State for that matter. Uh, we all knew that there was a lot riding on this game. UNI's playoff hopes sort of swinging in the balance and even with a close loss, like what happened? Just a three-point loss on that last second field goal against the Jackrabbits. UNI fell out of the FCS stats poll in just even receiving votes. Didn't receive any votes. I think they got eight in the coaches poll, but the coaches poll is essentially irrelevant. And so... And it's it's crazy because if they won that game, they're probably going to catapult themselves into the rankings, uh, probably in that 20 to 25 spot, especially after beating Southern Illinois the week prior. But they lose on the last second field goal to the number one team in the country, the number one team in the country, and they don't receive a single vote after that. Not one. And that is just it's just beyond crazy to me. No, I'm not going to look at the FCS stats poll and say, who do you remove? I think that's pretty quick and easy to do. A lot of these FCS conferences, other than the Big Sky and the MVFC, have one or two good teams. Maybe not even that. I mean, you look at the Pioneer League. They're not going to move up and, and beat anybody, really, in the MVFC. Maybe Western Illinois. Like, if we're being honest, sure. We'll, we'll give them that. But that'd be the only D1 win Western Illinois would get. But anyway... I guess that's that's pretty telling, but <sighs> this was a loss that was heartbreaking for a lot of reasons, including that fact that they may have just lost their playoff hopes by losing to the number one team in the country by three points on a last second field goal. Anyway, there are a few positives to take away 
that I want to address. But before we do that, let's look at the entire body of this game. And you know, you could frame it as a positive too because of how many negative things happened in this game with it still being a three-point game at the end and, and you and I just barely losing. I want to start off by talking about some of the things that maybe are overshadowed because of the close loss and then also the fact that... Uh, well, it was still a good performance, but there are a couple things that happened during this game that have gone overshadowed, gotten overshadowed because of the overarching narrative of the loss and and then the leaping call. Of course, we'll get to that, but there are several things that went wrong. The drops by the UNI receiving core. Deion McShane had four or five drops, if I remember correctly. He did have, have, have that great catch on fourth down, uh, that over-the-shoulder that was behind him catch from Theo Day, which Coach Mark Farley almost never goes for it on fourth down, but when you have an offense like the Panthers do, you kind of have to in that situation, right? And and again, what I want to say here before I, I guess I go any further on these drops and some of these negative things that happened is the players would agree with me on this. This isn't me criticizing these guys and being out of bounds and saying, oh my gosh, they were terrible. Each one of these guys, Deion McShane, Logan Wolf, Sergio Morency, who had drops on Saturday and big drops at that, know the stakes of those drops and and they would they would, you know, take accountability for it too. That's just who these guys are. So this isn't me jumping out and saying, oh my gosh, you're the reason they lost because it's not true. It's a variety of things. But Dion McShane had several drops, one on f- third down. It, was, it would have been a three and out. It was a three and out. And Theo Day had to throw the ball across his body on an out to Dion on like a third and two. And instead of running the ball, which that was, uh, Bodie Reader has been a phenomenal play caller, but that was, that was a little strange. Next, uh, Logan Wolf and, and Sergio Morency both had two drop or both had one drop, if I remember correctly. I don't think the, that those stats are, are kept on the UNI website. I'd be pretty surprised if that was the case. Each had one drop that resulted in an interception for Theo. Theo hasn't just thrown a straight up pick since the game against Indiana State on October first. I don't like. I don't think you can hold those plays against Theo at all because they hit Logan Wolf in the hands. And or he hit Logan Wolf in the hands. He hit Sergio in his hands. And that pick off Sergio's hands, he knew it. And and again, this is not to add to the the uh, the level of being upset that these players have. They know it. They have that accountability. This is just facts. These are things that happened and that have added up to what was eventually a loss to the number one team in the country by three points. So we'll we'll move on to the next thing. The drops obviously hurt. I, I think it's like had to be close to probably seven or eight total drops uh, on the day, maybe maybe even more. But then you look at sacks, just the statistical sacks for both teams. UNI had zero. South Dakota State's five. It's going to be really tough to win bas- or basketball, win football games when the opposing team has five sacks and your team has zero. And granted, you know, it, it's going to be tough in general when you don't have Christian Boyd, when you don't have Caden Hotelling. That's going to be tough to, to rack up any sacks, really. They got two quarterback hits. That was it, Cannon Butler and Javon Brecky. But you got to uh, gotta put some pressure, right? And I mean, I, I think they did to a degree, right? I, to a degree. You have to say that, correct? Because you got Devin Rice on one side, Cannon Butler on another. Then you had Jack Trebes, excuse me, Jack Krebs and, and uh, Carter Hewitt, I believe it was, uh, playing the other defensive tackle position in there with Krebs with 
Christian Boyd out, which he played well. All four of those guys played well. They did great against the run game for the most part. Isaiah Davis, he was Isaiah Davis, right? The the running back for South Dakota State, arguably the best running back in the country. He's a bruiser, and we saw that. And it, it, earlier in the season, it would have been a lot worse with the tackling against Isaiah Davis. It would have been a lot worse. And not to say that it was bad, because I, I would venture... I would say that that was probably the best performance they could have had against a running back of that caliber. I think that's fair to say. And and it was a good performance, especially in the second half. Just the the one touchdown in the second half, um, if I remember correctly. And, and that two-point conversion, yes, and then that field goal at the end. But they held them scoreless for 26 minutes of gameplay. Like that, that is you and I defense to a T. The first half, not ideal. First half, not what you wanted. Of course, they got that field goal at the end of the first half too, which, you know, that that adds up now towards the end of the game. But 26 minutes scoreless against the number one team in the country, that's pretty damn good. That's you and I football. That's you and I defense right there. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for them. But uh, you and I football probably <laughs> would have needed one or two sacks in there and then maybe another turnover to to help them out in that turnover margin. But with those five sacks that happened from South Dakota State, three of them were defensive tackle Caleb Sanders, and that resulted in 49 yards lost. So that's going to affect the the ultimate uh, result of the game. And then SDSU had way more rushing attempts, 10 more rushing attempts to U, 39 to UNI's 29. Uh, the Jacks had 164 yards on the ground. UNI had 88. That is a product of a couple things. Obviously, the sacks and the lack of rushing yards are indicative of how good the South Dakota State defense is. Give them credit. Sure, give them credit. But the... But the passing on third down and two, that's that's an indication that maybe you put the ball in your running back's hands a little bit more. Maybe you hand it off to Vance McShane. Maybe you hand it off to Dom Williams, who Dom Williams just scored four touchdowns in one game. Vance had that that touchdown that it looked like he was going to get up the middle and get stuffed, and he bounced it to the outside for 34 yards and a score. And it was the first touchdown of the game. There, It's just a couple play calls that are confusing, and a couple opportunities to get a first down or or to keep a drive going where there was a pass and it was incomplete or what have you. And so there's a couple differences, a couple issues there that that would have helped the running game for you and I. Secondly, <laughs> excuse me, uh, uh, I guess to address the interceptions again. So secondly, SDSU had two. You and I had just one. And to revert back to Theo Day going off the hands of Logan Wolf and and Sergio Morency, Benny Sapp, that didn't happen to Benny Sapp. Benny Sapp flew over when he saw Mark Gronowski where he was throwing the ball and hauled in an interception that was super athletic, super indicative of how good Benny is. Of course, we all knew that going into this season, and and now the the stats are starting to back it up. He's getting some great tackles and and having interceptions like he did. On, on Saturday, and I still maintain that he is one of the best safeties in the country, if not the best safety. He's up there, and um, he, he should be uh, in, 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 he'll get, in my opinion, he should get drafted. Stats don't necessarily jump off the page for this season, but you just look at what, he, what he's done on the field as intangibles. That guy's an NFL player. Like There's, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
Next, uh, 10 of 17 on third down was SDSU to UNI's 4 of 12. And again, this is this comes down to a variety of things. This comes down to, I think one of the interceptions was on third down. Maybe they both were, for all I know. I, I should go back and look at that. But the the sacks that happened on third down, there are a couple. That last one, that last one on the last possession for UNI, Caleb Sanders just went right up in the middle and got a 10-yard loss. Uh, to make it fourth and 16 or fourth and 14 when it was third and four Theo got sacked man like I mean I'd, again I'd have to go back and watch the tape I assume they ran a stunt and and Sanders was able just to get around whoever was blocking on the interior but you got to be prepared for that in that circumstance you got to be conditioned for that in that circumstance to protect your quarterback in that moment and again the the pass across Theo's body to the to the sideline into Dion's hands that goes out of his hands you can't go four of twelve on third down and expect to beat the, third, the number one team, or yeah, the number one team in the country. You just you just can't expect to do that. And then lastly, as we're talking about right here, uh, the the things that added up to result in an SDSU win over UNI in the dome on Saturday, South Dakota State had thirty three minutes and thirty six seconds of time of possession to UNI's twenty six minutes and twenty four seconds. So so many things had to go wrong for UNI and had to go right for SDSU for the Jackrabbits to win the game in the Dome. And that's just what happened. And, you know, to to look at the entirety of the game and say that UNI didn't play up to didn't didn't play up to par or didn't play like themselves. I think there's there's some to that. There's some validity to that. But then again, this is the number one team in the country. They they make stuff like this happen. This is how they win so many games, especially in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. This is how they win so many games and beat North Dakota State and almost beat Iowa in Iowa City. You know, it's so give credit where it's due. But at the same time, there are things that you and I could have fixed to win that game and to therefore, therefore essentially be a lock for the playoffs. Uh, well, we'll see. You know, they got a bye week now and, and they play South Dakota, which isn't going to be a fantastic uh, opponent next, not this coming Saturday, but the 19th. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. But uh, again, I mean, you flip one or two of those stats and, and you and I, I think they take that game. Almost with ease. I mean, I was talking with some of the guys in the press conference at the game, not the press conference, the press box at the game. And like I always do, one of our, our guests, Ethan Petrick and I shooting and shooting the breeze right during the game. Not really talking about the game at hand, but uh, not just Ethan, but a few of us were like, wow, you and I could be up two scores right now. They could be up three scores right now if they converted on some of these third downs, if the interceptions weren't tipped, if you know, these sacks didn't happen. These interceptions, I mean, we talked about it with Matt Tolefson last week when we previewed the game, that South Dakota State game. He said, you know, we were talking about the turnover margin being huge. You and I had one, SDSU had two. That's a really frustrating part about Benny Sapp making that play, like I mentioned, and then those two passes just falling into the lap of the Jackrabbits because those don't happen, and you and I very well wins the football game almost outright. I mean, SDSU just really really lucked into that one into a, in, a, in a variety of ways. Now, with, with all those stats, I mean, the UNI defense in the second half was just completely phenomenal. What did I just say? 26 minutes? 26 minutes without a score from the number one team in the country. That is pretty damn good. That is a UNI defense, man. That's Spencer Kuvalier. That's Bryce Flader. 
That's Benny Sapp. That's that's Devin Rice, you know, and obviously the the sacks didn't come for for Devin or or for anybody on the team this weekend, but uh, it was just a vintage Coach Farley defense, and and if the offense is just a little better, they win the game. You and I wins the game, and I think I think you and I fans, I think you and I media is all on the same page right there when they say that. I think the players would agree with you. I mean, Grunowski had five fewer completions. Excuse me. Five more completions? Yes, five more completions than Day. I, I Sorry, I, my notes were wrong. He had five more completions than Theo Day, and Theo still passed for seven more yards. You know, there's, there's the drops. There's the interceptions. I mean, I don't think you can fault Theo at all for that game. Some of the ball, like, some of the throws that kid makes, I mean, I... <laughs> I almost sound like a like I'm fangirling over Theo. We talked with him last week. If you missed it here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk, I can go back and listen. But Theo is making incredible throws right now. That touchdown pass to Desmond Hudson up the seam on Saturday. Like, what? And the catch by Desmond, too. Like, Desmond has just ascended this wide receiver group and become a contributor right away in his first year in his transfer from Iowa. He's right there competing for or for, you know, snaps with with Logan Wolf and with with Dion McShane and and with Sergio Morency and I mean, oh, I'm just flabbergasted at how good Hudson has been and and how good Theo has been on the run, you know, putting that ball in in a tight window. He just does it over and over again. And and you see why he was a three-star recruit and the number one quarterback in the state of Michigan in his uh, senior year of high school in that class. So, and I mean, and, and again, you, you look at SDSU, some of the big plays for them offensively, Isaiah Davis, he did have a few big plays and Tucker Craft with a couple big catches that one again up the seam for 57 yards where he was wide open. Benny Sapp having to get in there and, and make the tackle. So, that's, you know, we're looking at all these different facets of the game. And to bring it all together, we got to talk about that last 217-ish, right? I mean, of course, you and I had a chance, about 441 to go. Theo trots in for that touchdown on the the uh, the run option. And... Then the UNI defense comes on and forces SDSU to punt after five plays. UNI gets the ball back with 217 left, and then they went three and out. There was an incomplete pass to Vance McShane in the flat, if I remember correctly. Desmond Hudson caught a six-yard pass, third and four, and then Theo gets sacked. And it's a 10-yard sack. On, on third down when it was, like I said, third and four, which not ideal. Noah Pettinger comes in, freshman, walk-on, punter, boots it 41 yards to SDSU's 42, which it was a low snap. It was a low snap. He's a freshman walk-on, and you're putting him in this situation, and he very well could have fumbled that snap. He very well could have had it blocked, but he got it off. And this is where another thing factors in, Jaden Yonke returned that punt 19 yards to UNI's 41. 21 yards? Stats might have been wrong there. He returned that punt 19 yards. You have to make the tackle right away. And granted, you want Noah to get that ball up in the air more rather than be a live drive, 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 line drive 
to Yonke. But you have to make those tackles. And this happened other times in the game. Yonke had another couple, I think, couple pretty solid punt returns. I mean, and so it's like, oh, okay, game's over. They got it in you and I's territory right away. And then you're going to give it to Isaiah Davis and he's going to get yards because he is a powerful freaking runner. But that's not what happened. I mean, I guess what I just said is what happened. Isaiah Davis ran the ball a few times. There's an illegal substitution on you and I. And then Stig calls the timeout with four seconds left. And uh, the kick is no good. There's three flags on the field. (sighs) Prior to this play, coach puts Sergio Morency in behind the line to try to see if he can get up and block the field goal, right? I mean, you see stuff like that in last-ditch attempts to win games, tie games, block field goals, whatever. And you could see you could see uh, uh, Spencer Cuvalier directing him what to do in that moment. And rather than going straight up, what Sergio did was he jumped forward and he landed over the line and the refs called for leaping. Leaping, not a penalty call you hear a lot or basically ever. I might have heard it once or twice in that circumstance, but at the end of the game, when that happens, refs are looking for it. If that happened, I don't know, in the middle of the third quarter, in the middle of the second quarter, nobody's calling leaping. But it happened at the end, and the refs were looking for it. And granted, you know, who's who, what fan... Who, like, what person other than those refs is thinking, oh, I wonder if I need a call or if there's going to be like a leaping call here? Nobody. To make that call in that circumstance sucks. Especially when it's a tie game, four seconds left, and the guy misses the field goal. And the UNI team, I mean, for a moment, they, they thought they had it. They thought they had overtime. And who knows? what happens in overtime if if that call isn't made. And I mean, when was the last time you heard that leaping call? When was the last time? Prior to Saturday, when was the last time you heard a call for leaping? I think mine is like 2004 when the Colts played the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. Seriously. When does that happen? Who is looking for that besides these referees? Also, these officials are just awful. I don't know, and SDSU is saying the same thing. Lots of holding penalties missed. Every single game. And like this just happens over and over and over. The officials are are dictating what happens in these games. I mean, against Illinois State when that pass interference wasn't called on Quan Hampton, are you going to hold... The, either you dictate how the game goes at the end and you call stuff the same way through the whole thing, or you you don't hold the flag because it's late. In that circumstance, if that's going to apply, if that's going to apply on a pass interference, it should apply on a leaping call. You hold the flag because it's late and you don't want to affect the game as an official. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. What are you going to do? Which one? And I mean, if it's egregious, then fine. But I mean, it seemed pretty freaking egregious to me when Quan didn't get that call. And I mean, it's risky in the first place for Coach Farley to do that, right? Like, 
for for Sergio to not really know, but it, winging it right and and to to my knowledge and to what it appeared to me, I don't think Sergio really even affected the kick. I think Dustman just missed it on what was I think a thirty four yard field goal, which became a twenty six yard field goal. And so, I mean. <sighs> What I want to say to you and I fans here, and maybe an SDSU fan if you're listening, SDSU came after some you and I fans in on Twitter and and me for writing an article saying that call was controversial, which it was, given the circumstances, given the the fact that leaping is never freaking called, given the fact that the number one team in the country came to the dome and very well could have lost. That's a controversial call. That's what it is. I'm not apologizing for the title of my article. I don't think they want me to apologize, but trying to clown me for that? Nah, not going to happen. Come to, come to my mentions, SDSU fans. Yeah, I, it's, I ignored all of them for a reason. Like, it's just kind of a joke to think that that's not controversial. And then some a, a TV reporter who doesn't even follow me thinks he's calling me out for this. This podcast isn't about me, I apologize. But I find it really annoying. And so you and I fans, if you had anybody from SDSU come after you and say you're whining or that it's an obvious call, you're fine. It's BS. This is the number one team in the country. They think they're they're untouchable. Don't listen. It's 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 a joke to me to to feel like you need to come after a fan base who is supporting a team that was playing the number one team in the country and almost won. Like, I just think that's a joke. Anyway, uh, Dustman made that second field goal attempt and uh, Jacks win. If in it's, we'll talk more about the USD game when it approaches. But but wow, I mean, this one just has to sting for for the UNI fan base and for the players. I mean, Coach Farley said it himself. He said it's going to take a couple days to get over. And Coach Farley isn't like that. Coach Farley is very much on to the next game kind of guy. That's who he is. And he said it burns. And it's we're going to sit with us. It's going to burn for our team, too, over these next two weeks where we have this bye. And so we'll see what happens. For those of you who didn't see my tweet, Caden Hotelling probably going to be a no-go at South Dakota. And Christian Boyd may very well be out as well. He told me pregame that he thought he'd be back for that South Dakota game. But turns out that might not be the case. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to see what happens. Um, additionally, before we move on, um, obviously, uh, you and I's playoffs hope, playoff hopes for, for football looking bleak. We'll see what happens over these next two games, uh, or two weeks, rather. And, you know, I'll keep you updated on Twitter. It's at Elliot Clough if, if you want to see what teams need to, need to lose for you and I to get back in that top 25 because... A lot of things are going to have to go right for for them to make a playoff appearance. Their only real marquee win or, or key win this season was against SIU. Other than that, they have losses to number one team, number two team, and Air Force. So good losses, close losses, some of them. And then Illinois State and North Dakota. North Dakota is probably going to be a playoff team too. Illinois State, not so much. But we will uh, we'll we'll see how how that shakes out. Last thing, uh, one player from you and I that was on the roster this year that I've talked about a little bit on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. I think this was last summer. Peter Udoibach, he was a transfer from Minnesota. He's a preferred walk-on. 
with the Gophers and then transferred to UNI because he wanted to get some time on the field before he left. Was a second string guy coming out of camp and then he was moved to the third string in that wide receiver group before uh, the season really started. Wasn't happy with that. Uh, this is my understanding from that point in time. I haven't revisited it in a while because Udoy Bach hasn't been, he hasn't seen the field. So uh, he's amongst a really talented group too. So he's decided to enter the portal is what I'm getting at. Peter Udoybach, uh, former wide receiver for UNI, just for the, the fall semester, um, he came in and, and now he's back in the portal. So he could be at his third school in a year. Um, but best of wish, best wishes to him. I mean, I, I never really got to talk with him much while he was uh, at UNI, but um, I, I really thought he was going to have a real chance to compete for a job. But this wide receiver group is just absolutely loaded. So, I, I mean, even next year. I thought he would, if he stuck around and stayed as a grad assistant, he could really have a shot at, at getting some time on the field with Dion and, and Quan graduating and who knows what's going to happen with Logan Wolf. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. Anyway, let's, let's transition here to some basketball as we're about half an hour in on, on corn stocks and sports talk. You know how much I could talk about you and I as a UNI insider for town square media. But uh, by the way, we have that recap of the game. And the recap of the game uh, last night for UNI basketball on the uh, KCRR KOEL app and website. They're on all of our local Town Square media websites. So UNI coverage, you're you're gonna get it there. We're gonna get recaps. We're gonna get previews. We're gonna get uh, some some interviews here and there um, with with these athletes from Cornstalks and transcribed and and put into articles and stuff like that. So your UNI coverage is gonna be brought to you by Town Square Media and me, Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. So let's get to basketball. Let's get to basketball. Of course, last time we really talked about UNI basketball was that 2023 recruiting class. National Letter of Intent signing day is tomorrow. UNI is going to land RJ Taylor, Kyle Polk, and Wes Rubin officially adding to that 2023 class. I think we talked a little bit about Matt Reed being a possible addition to the 2023 class before Rubin committed. Well, he had committed to, Reed had committed to Richmond, and then he just decommitted last week. And then again committed to Tulsa. So he's a three-star guy that is going to be playing for for Tulsa. Um, you and I rounded out that class. They didn't have any scholarships left, so they couldn't go after him to get two guys that decommitted. He would have been really fun to add, and I think he would have played right away in, in Cedar Falls. But uh, 2023 class, still really, really solid. Big fan of RJ Taylor. Of course, we've had him here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. And Kyle Polk and, and Wes Rubin, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do in a Panther uniform. Now, for UNI basketball, as it stands here in the year 2022, this weekend, UNI is going to take on Richmond, which will be their first Division I competition. Uh, that's at Richmond, and then they go to Virginia on the coming Monday, I believe, or Tuesday. I'd have to go back and look. But so far, they had that scrimmage at Wisconsin. Nothing was really... That was very, very internal. I had no idea that was even happening. Um, and then they played Dubuque last week in an exhibition game. And then last night they played Wartburg. So they took that win over Wartburg last night, 105 to 49 in uh, the McLeod Center. Down down at the that media bench area at most of the home games. So you can always come by and say hi, by the way. I uh, would love to speak with anybody. Um, and uh, Coach Jake talked about it after the game. He essentially said this was more of a complete game. 
This is what we wanted to see. We wanted to see them come out aggressive on defense and on offense for that matter. And and Bowen Bourne was available to the media afterwards as well. He said this is the most complete game we've seen or, or we've had in these three games so far. And I completely agree. 53 to 20 at halftime. Uh, and and at twelve to five at the first media break um, at fifteen fifty four. I mean, this was you and I basketball looking like itself. Of course, that first ten minutes against Dubuque the other night was like, oh, ooh, I don't know, I don't know how this is gonna look. Bowen came out looking like himself. Bowen born scored nineteen points to lead all scorers. Landon Wolf eighteen points. Really excited to see what what he brings to to you and I this season. Coach Jake said it last night. He said it before. He sees Landon scoring in double figures for for the Panthers this season off the bench. He's really going to be a spark plug for that bench unit. I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do in terms of scoring. And then uh, uh, Titan Anderson six points, twelve boards. I mean, any other game that would have been a double double because he would have been out there a lot longer. James Betts shot pretty well from deep. Drew Daniel, like who saw this coming? I did not. Drew Daniel, 6'7", lights out shooter from the corner. I asked Coach Jake about uh, his his role with the team this year uh, and, and referenced Trey Burhau being that sort of corner specialist for the team uh, over the last however many years. He's He's been in Cedar Falls, and I just asked, I was like, is Drew Daniel going to fill that role for you guys? Of course, Drew's not going to start, but the walk-on from, from Dowling Catholic has really evolved his game since he came to to UNI. And no, he's not the most athletic guy. No, he's not the fastest guy. No, he's not the strongest guy. But you put him in the corner, and he's auto-freaking-matic. Auto-freaking-matic. There was a play where Nate was, I think, dribbling on the baseline and found Drew in the corner wide open. And Bowen Bourne was at half court. He just turned around and did one of these, and Drew nailed it. I mean, Drew's missed a couple in the two games that we've seen, but I would love to know the percentage directly from the baseline three-point shot. Because holy crap. I mean, you know, all 13 scholarship spots are are accounted for this coming season, but however things shake out in, in his future at UNI, Drew Daniels should probably end up on scholarship. So it won't be this year, it won't be next year, because all 13 scholarships, like I said, they're accounted for, which you only get 13 at Division One level. But he is showing just how much putting in the putting in the work and, and being in the gym can affect your game and, and the, the work proving itself and, and him proving himself. Because every game, he's the first guy in the gym putting up shots. Every game, every game, no matter where they're at, no matter if they're at Richmond, whether, whether they're in the McLeod Center, he's always on the court shooting with a manager or something before everybody else. That's who Drew Daniel is right there. That's Drew Daniel. Let me tell you. And and I don't know Drew very well personally. I maybe said something to him at media day, but I didn't expect him to see the court this year. You know, I mean, Cole Henry's hurt. Uh, he he had that ankle tweak, but he'll probably be back for, for Richmond. Uh, and then Austin Fife, we don't know when he's going to be back, if he's going to be able to come back. Charlie Miller, Ega Peksari, or Ege, sorry, Ege Peksari. And so the, the roster's pretty thin. If, if we're being quite honest about it. I mean, you got a couple guys that are very clearly the the guys on this team that are going to receive a lot of minutes. You know, Bowen, Nate, Trey, James Betts, Titan Anderson, Landon Wolf, Michael Duax. That's, that's seven deep where you feel really comfortable about those guys 
getting a lot of time. And then you get Drew Daniel, and then you got Derek Krogman, who are both walk-ons that are probably going to receive quite a bit of time, at least until uh, Austin Fife is back and Cole Henry is back. In regards to Derek, you know, I, I think there's a very high possibility that we see Drew get some significant minutes this year just because he is such a good shooter from the corner. Like, I just... And his release is high. It's pretty. He knows what he's doing, man. And and the guys have clear confidence in him. Bowen Bourne wouldn't turn around and do this at half court if he didn't think it was going to go in. Who has a prettier shot, Drew Daniel or A.J. Green? I don't know. <laughs> it's just kidding. Trey Campbell really impressed me last night, too. He's got a midi. He, uh, he can create his own shot. He's smooth as all get out. Like, just smooth. Like, uh, Bowen said he, he always plays at his own pace. He never rushes. And I think that's that is who Trey Campbell is. You watch him, and it's just it appears to be effortless, and it's always been like that for him. It appears to be effortless, even though he's he's one of the best players, uh, or he was one of the best players in the state of Iowa, and now he's a starter as a freshman for Coach Jake, and that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, freshmen don't usually come in and, and play a bunch of minutes unless they're you know AJ Green or or some of these young guys that spill, fill specific roles like Antoine Kimmins or, or Noah Carter did. And so all of that to say they looked a lot better. They looked a lot better against Wartburg as opposed to what they did versus Dubuque. We're really going to get that first test. We're going to see that first test against Richmond on on Friday. And then, of course, Virginia, who's a top 25 ranked team. Some of these mid-major schools that that have good programs like uh, Toledo and I think Towson. And then you're going to see or they'll see San Francisco and or Wichita State coming up here. I think Grand Canyon might be in that Kansas City thing as well. They're going to have a lot of really good non-conference competition. And then they're going to play in the MVC. That's going to be good. Belmont's going to be good. Murray State's going to be a lot better than what they're predicted. And then you got, of course, Drake. And and SIU has looked awesome so far. And uh, Bradley, we'll, we'll see what happens with Bradley and Rink Mast. But UNI is picked fifth. I would venture to guess that they won't quite... I don't think they're going to be top five. I'll say that right now. I don't think they're going to be top five. I'd love for me that, for them to prove me wrong, but I don't think they're going to be top five. And we'll see. I mean, if Drew Daniel... Again, Drew Daniel's the GOAT at this point on, on the Corn Stocks, the Sports Talk, uh, uh, Iowa-based sports show. Show. <laughs> uh, he's just... He's really impressed me. And, and you know, you keep shooting lights out like that against really high-caliber competition... You get into a groove of things. I mean, we haven't seen the best of Nate Heisey by any means. We haven't seen the best of Titan Anderson. We haven't seen the best of Bowen Bourne. I really want to see a lot from Cole Henry this year to step up and and be. I honestly think he should start over James Betts. And who knows? Maybe you maybe you move that starting lineup around and and put Titan Anderson at the uh, at the three and. Uh, maybe put Trey on that bench unit and have James Betts as a four, Cole Henry as a five. There's a lot of different things that can happen uh, and a lot of different lineup changes. Like we've seen Noah Carter stepped in and played that five spot last year. A lot of things can change. I, I am excited to see how this group evolves, what they do uh, this season and and see them get into a groove and, and start winning some games and, and really impressing because, you know, I say that I think they're going to place lower than fifth, but seeded, we've seen it before. Seed really doesn't matter in the MVC tournament. They could be a tournament team. It's going to be tough without uh, without Fife, but I, I really want to see that, and and we'll, we'll see what happens if Fife can make it back. So once again, folks, 
Thanks so much for tuning in on this midweek episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk, hosted by me, you and I, Insider of Town Square Media. Don't forget, before you go, subscribe, drop a comment, drop a, drop a like on, on YouTube, and then also subscribe, follow, etc. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all that, and on the KCRR app, KOEL app, all those apps, all of them. One thing we really need from you that really does the best way to support this show is leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out so, 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 so much. So thank you for doing that. Once again, folks, my name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. This was another midweek episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk.